Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I now declare this supermarket open. No, Gav. We opened beer at the start of the episode. Well, that was a close run thing, wasn't it, Gav? Yes, we uh, managed to get some beer. From the supermarket? Yes. It was. Did, uh, did they give you a good deal for opening it? Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, I actually had to pay. Pay? Yeah. In this day and age? Yeah. So that's Europe for you. Yeah. Well, the supermarket were a bit down on its last quarter. I thought I'd help them out. Did you? By, by giving yeah. them money for beer? Yes. You're such a humanitarian. Well, I do my bit for beer kind. Beer kind, you say? Yeah. Say, what kind of beer did you get? Uh, the beer kind that I did get was uh, a French beer, uh, Bella Rose. Interesting. Did you see what they did there? I did. Because we're in France this week, aren't we? Yes. Indeed. Not on the steps, well, not not, on the steps of, a, uh, of a supermarket at all. No, we've, we've moved from there. Did you not hear the scene change? Can you believe scene changes in fiction these days? I don't know. I mean, time wasn't. You had good scene changes in the eighties, and then you know, the nineties happened. And, and meanwhile, in the halls of justice mm. and what have you, and then the nineties happened, and gone with the scene changes. Gone with the with the where the wind. Gone, gone with the wind. Gone with where the where the where the, where the animal sidekicks, the, the tiny sidekicks like um. Snarf and Zark Seven and Uni. God, I hated them. Yes. Yeah, you're going so much. Uh, People got lazy. Anyway, and what rubbish. was I? Anyway, let's stop running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even told you what fucking episode we're doing this week. Story, story. I know yes. what I'm doing. <laughs> tell, tell the gentle listeners what. Uh, see, I got the listeners right. Mm. What uh, thing we're doing this week? Yes, we're doing uh, the massacre of Saint Bartholomew's Eve. You are. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, the synopsis then goes thusly: Episode one, War of God. The Doctor and Stephen land in France, and using his keen observation skills, determines the date to be somewhere between the fifth century and the seventeenth century. Let's see if he guessed correctly. <laughs> Discovering it's actually the 16th century, the Doctor gets excited at the prospect of meeting the scientist Preslan, the most advanced apothecary of his time. Advanced from what, sorry? Apothecary. Okay. Apothecary. It doesn't matter. Stephen stays at the local tavern with some uh, Huguenots, who have been having some problems with the local Catholics, and he tries to pay for some wine with a gold piece. Stop paying! <laughs> The Doctor, upon getting no answer from Preslan's place, decides to break in to be greeted by a retired and hiding Preslan, as the abbot is hunting scientists. Sure, pick on the nerds. Anyway, the Doctor talks him round into coming out of retirement so he can discover germs. With work completed... Not, not Jesus, though. No. <laughs> With work completed by Zacharias Hansen from the Netherlands, he noticed that some lenses... Lenses made things bigger, and that two of these in combination made things even bigger. Using this knowledge, the microscope was invented. Wait, sorry, I slipped into drunken science mode there. Back with the story. A slave girl, Anne, is chased into the tavern by some Catholic guards. That's the excuse I use when I burst into my local pub too. 
She informs everyone of a Catholic plot to massacre the Huguenots. They put Anne into protective custody in the Admiral's kitchen and also, presumably, to do some cooking while she's there. With curfew upon them, Stephen retires to the Admiral's with Nicholas. Simon reports back to the Abbot about the slave girl and the Abbot orders him to bring her to him tomorrow. What, like the Abbot been trying to do this all day already? Now tomorrow morning they're just going to magically appear her from the enemy's stronghold. He probably wants the moon on a stick too. Oh, and he looks just like the Doctor as well. Episode 2, The Sea Beggar Gaston, from the tavern, is angry that Prince Henry is not taking the slave girl's news that Wassy will happen before the week is up. Seriously, claiming that Wassy may refer to something other than previous massacre. It may refer to something else, and presumably weak, referring to a bacon sandwich or something. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the abbot, obviously aware of his colleague's incompetence, decides to go look for the slave girl himself, and on seeing him, Stephen recognises him as the doctor. Gaston, now not trusting Stephen. Stephen offers to prove his innocence by taking him to Preslons to see the doctor. The Admiral, overhearing Marshal Tavan mention something about the sea beggar, takes it to mean the Dutch. Stephen and Nicholas go to look for Preslon, but a neighbour says he's been arrested for heresy on the shop abandoned ages ago. So Nicholas takes him back to decide what to do with him. Using the power of tripping up, Stephen escapes and makes for the abbot's house, where he overhears the marshal saying the sea beggar will die tomorrow. He returns to tell Nicholas of his findings, but Gaston forces him away at sword point. With the news that Stephen had returned, Nicholas now believes him, but he's gone to hide in Preslon's abandoned shop with Anne, the slave girl. The admiral returns with news that the king is giving aid to the Dutch, and the admiral will now be known as the sea beggar, a title he's proud of apparently. Episode 3, Priest of Death The next day, Stephen promises to take care of Anne. Yeah, cos you looked after Hi-Fi so well, didn't you? Where is he now, huh? Where? Gav, Gav, leave it, it's okay. Anyway, they head back to the abbot's house. Elsewhere, King Charles, the Queen Mother and Marshal Tavan are having an argument about war. And like this scene, war is so tedious. So they go to play tennis instead. This is why the French suck at was, they're too busy playing tennis. Stephen and Anne meet the abbot, but leave immediately when the marshal enters the room, and overhears that the admiral is the sea beggar. Before they can get to the admiral, he is shot in the street, but only wounded by the greatest tape man in France. The marshal orders the abbot killed following the failed attempt. The king then threatens to drive the Catholics from their homes and execute the marshal after learning about the assassination attempt. Back with Stephen, after hearing the news of the abbot, he rushes to find the doctor's dead body and an angry mob baying for Hugen or blood. Guard spots Stephen and he flees. Episode 4, Bell of Doom. The marshal looking to tie up all the loose ends, Stephen knowing about the plot, uh, that's about it really. Stephen returns the next morning and tells Anne about the Doctor's death, so they look for the TARDIS key so they can escape. Somehow. Then the Doctor shows up and Stephen fills him in on what's happened since. You know, he hasn't been in this story since the first five minutes. And Anne suggests leaving tomorrow during the St Bartholomew celebrations. 
On hearing this, the doctor becomes adamant they leave immediately, and it's back to being a cunt, ordering Anne back to her aunts. Elsewhere, the Queen Mother informs the Marshal that the King has given them the go-ahead to slaughter the Huguenots tomorrow. Instead of leaving immediately, they wait till dawn, but the traveller's path back to the TARDIS is blocked by guards. The Bell of Doom rings, and the Masque of St. Bartholomew's Day begins, allowing the travellers to get back to the TARDIS. Stephen tells the Doctor he wants to get off the next stop because of the Doctor's scant regard for human life, and when they land on Wimbledon Common in 1966, Stephen leaves. I have nothing to say about Wombles. A young woman, Dodo, runs into the TARDIS looking for the police phone when Stephen rushes back in, ordering the Doctor to take off because he's been chased by police. Can't leave him alone for five minutes. The Doctor takes off, abducting another victim. Sorry, I mean companion. When Stephen notices Dodo, who they conveniently discover to be Anne's ancestors, because, of course, the adventures of the time-travelling kidnapper to be continued. He is my favourite time-travelling kidnapper. Are there any other time-travelling kidnappers? Of course. Who? I can name several. I'm not going to ask you to name them. I'm just going to believe you. Good. That's always a good choice. So there we go. Uh, Can I have a rest now? Did Sam Beckett ever... Oh yeah, God, four episodes. I did six before. Exactly, so why are you Mm. knackered after doing four? Because... And don't forget, you were the one that did one episode, Mission to the (laughs) Unknown. That was tiring as well. Yeah, sure it was. Yeah, but is it... Shouldn't it be the massacre on St. Bartholomew's Eve? Well, it didn't even take on... It it, it actually takes place on St. Bartholomew's Day, but we'll ignore that part. Not Eve. But is it, surely the massacre yeah. of St. Bartholomew's Eve indicates that the massacre it, the massacre is of the day itself, or the Eve itself. The Eve has been killed. There is no more St. Bartholomew's Eve. It has been massacred. That's getting a bit too meta for me. I, I like the yeah, title. The, the Eve yeah. no longer exists. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy with that. Well, well it does. And, 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 and plenty of French people. And French people, yes. The Eve and French people don't exist anymore. Except you still are on. Oh, did you survive? Uh, I like the title card illustrations. Because for the title card behind it, they had a picture. Mm. Like a, uh, I'm mm. assuming it was a uh, period piece of the time, Little France. Mm. Yeah. Like them. And it worked very well whenever they showed the, ma- where, well, mm. they showed the massacre as much as they could by having sound effects over the pictures of the massacre. Mm. I like that. Yeah. yeah, but the I, I like I did like the illustrations. Uh, do we know is that how they showed it originally during the broadcast? Or? Yes, it was. Hmm. I have decided. You I believe I did decided. read that. I believe I did read that was how they decided, because it does Excellent. fit in with how hmm. they would have shown the massacre as well. Hmm. That's uh, yeah, I like that. Good. I, I might prefer a CGI battle. Or something. <laughs> You youngsters and your CGI. So the doctor drinks mm-hmm. wine in this. Mm. More alcohol for the doctor. He drank mead in Time Meddler and now he's drinking wine. Is he an alcoholic? He, he'll, be, he'll be on to turpentine next. Two drinks and he's an alcoholic. Yep. I think I'll put it down to that weak Gallifrey constitution. Do you? Yeah. What, the political constitution? No. But he was drinking mm. wine though, but I suppose in France you've got like three beers or wine. Yeah, I did like as well uh, 
how the uh, Huguenots were calling the wine that they were serving in the pub uh, weak Christian rubbish. Did that you? amused me. Did it amuse yeah. you? It amused me. <laughs> Why did it amuse you? Just amused me. Did they call it weak Catholic wine? Not weak Christian wine? Christian, Catholic, whatever. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember exactly yeah. what they yeah. call it. I think it. you're missing the fundamental point of, of the reason <laughs> of this massacre. <laughs> yes. Look, I'm drunk. I can't remember things. Well, we'll, we'll just we'll just move on then. And but I did like uh, they did the old when he, when the doctor went to see uh, the queen, the great scientist Preslon. Okay. Yes. yes, the great scientist Preslon. Yeah. Who <laughs> didn't the, exist? Sorry, yes. I had to go and do there. <laughs> Yeah, but we went to see him, and he's he's obviously pre- pretending not to be Preslon because he doesn't science. exist. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't exist, and also scientists and nerds are hunted and killed for heresy. <laughs> yes, people who like Firefly and Doctor Who are hunted and killed for sport. So I have to write that down. That'll be my uh, that'll be my movie blockbuster. Twilight, mm. and then Hunger Games, and then my movie blockbuster, Nerd Kill. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say why not. Well, except for it's stupid. But yeah, he did the obvious pretending that he's not who he is, and the Doctor was that didn't believe him, obviously, and he used this subtle cunning to get him to admit yes. who he was. Because he has, he has subtle cunning. He does. Unlike Stephen, that's the doctor. who we will get to. <laughs> one, one interesting thing, though, is, and, and we'll talk about this because you have the abbot, well, the doctor isn't in episodes two and three, but the abbot is, who is played by the same guy. Yeah. But what was, you never find out what the doctor was really doing in episodes two and three. He was making sweet love to Preslon. And you never see Preslon again. He killed him. Did he shag him to powder? No, he killed him for heresy. <laughs> the doctor killed Preslon for heresy. Yes. For not existing. Yes. I thought he was a great scientist, but it turns out you don't exist. Maybe he did exist, but then the doctor erased him from history. <laughs> that might be it. Yes. And it took another hundred years for germs to be discovered because of the doctor. I can't. Uh, and I like the, the whenever the doctor finally realizes what day it is. Why, so it's Christmas Day <laughs> <laughs> again. Give me the largest club you have that I may beat people with. Um, no, uh, uh, yes, you realize it, and mm-hmm. so so it's just like a dawning realization of how how mm-hmm. serious the situation is, and he's trying to get out of there as well as trying to get rid of Anne at the same mm-hmm. time. He's not taking on with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's just going to leave it to die. Yeah. But he tells us to stay indoors. I'm not sure whether that helps or not. I don't think it does. No. But, uh, but I did read this somewhere, I think, that uh, someone speculated that the reason for him not saving Anne was because of how badly it turned out whenever he took Katerina out of her. Old ye olden times. It, it does sound uh, very much like uh, no prize in it. it. Oh, yes. I have many no prizes. It just appeared to me it was just being a cunt again. Well, you saying there's nothing wrong with the Doctor being a cunt. I like the Doctor being a cunt. Unfortunately, he's not a cunt Stephen ever. <laughs> Unfortunately. 
Yeah, that's the thing. The doctor, the first doctor, and uh, Captain Picard, they should, they should meet. They should have met up. That'd be good. Mm. They could have tried to outcount each other. <laughs> no, that would be one hell of a combo. <laughs> Can't fight. <laughs> Only on a fox. Uh, yeah, mm. what I was going to say, yes, because originally um, was going to be the next companion. Washing. But then they realised that, hey, that's, that's the reason they got rid of Katarina, because she was from ye olden times. So they got rid of, they ditched that idea as well, and then they had uh, Dodo. Yeah, moving on to the Admiral. Hello. Hello. It was, uh, after his meeting uh, with the king, it was, uh, he said he's going to call him the uh, sea beggar after his deal with the Dutch and everything. And he says he's proud to be called the sea beggar. Uh, it just sounds like an insult. I bet this kid wasn't easily bullied at school. Hey, fatty. Hey, I'm proud of that. You call him names and he's proud. Do, do, do you want me to... Be, well, Hugo is more of a name, I would say, than sea beggar. Do you want me to bring history into this? Go on, bring history to me. I know nothing about history. Okay, the sea beggar, right, basically back then, Holland, or Dutchland, mm. was uh, a colony of Spain. And the people of, of Holland who who fought against, you know, were rebellious against Spain, wanted to uh, fight off the yoke of Spain. But they were basically called beggars. And the people who fought Spain off, off the coast of the Netherlands, in the sea, mm-hmm. pirates, if you will, who tried to get rid of the Spanish, were called the sea beggars. Hence, sea beggar. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's why, because he, there was a point where he, he was like, uh, the Admiral was trying to get France to align with the rebellious Dutch to get rid of the Spanish out of Netherlands. And make it a Protestant country. Because obviously he was trying to get France to be a Protestant country as well. Spain, of course, being a Catholic country. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what he was trying to do. And that's why the, he was proud to be called the Sea Beggar to get rid okay. of the Spanish Catholic Empire. Okay, man. Tiny bit of, uh, tiny bit of drunken history there. But you've got a tiny bit of drunken science for us later. Yes, I didn't, uh, I didn't know the origins of the Sea Beggar now. Well, Other than, uh, as I know it, the name beggar has a negative connotation to it. Um, so you've got the sea beggar was the was the admiral. Yes. And there was another guy who was the marshal who was in the royal court. Okay. And he was he was one of the Catholics. Yes, he was. Yes. And uh, I found it interesting that he helps the Henry of Navarre at the end, who was a Protestant. Was it? Yes. He, just, he seemed more impartial to me. No, he was Protestant. He was a Huguenot. Well, he eventually did I, I, become I believe you historically, but within the story, he seemed very impartial. All right. Uh, no, no, no. He was definitely in the story. He was. Uh, he was uh, did we ever see Henry of Navarre in the story? Uh, yes, I believe. We had. Uh, was it Nicholas Muss? Was his assistant or something? I, I'm. I'm pretty sure he was in the story. Now. And moving on to the king. The king, indeed, yeah. yes. The king, Charles the Ninth. IX. Did sort of find it sort of surprising how quickly he changed his mind within sort of the last episode. He's like ready to execute the marshal and uh, banish all the Catholics, and then the next scene you see him is uh, 
is given the go-ahead for the uh, execution of all the Huguenots. Ah, it's because he's under the thumb, you see. Under the thumb of his yes, mother. Yeah. The evil queen mother. The evil queen mother. Is she evil? We'll be talking about that in Drunken History next week. Uh, she she ordered the massacre of a thousand people or so. Did she order the massacre? Yes. She did within this story, but did she actually do that? I don't know. I'm just talking about this story. I know, that's what I'm saying. But within this story, she was reprehensible. I mean, the bit where mm. she was talking to the marshal about about how... I mean, there was that scene, was it the last episode? She, I mean, I just wrote in my notes, wow, she's evil. Mm. She was a, it's like Slovenian, almost. Slovenian. Yeah. Are they evil? But, yeah. Yeah, I they're you, the baddest. I thought you were. I thought you were making a reference. See, I didn't speak. I thought you might mean, but I didn't think they were particularly evil. I thought you might have been uh. referring to like Harry Potter House, the Slytherin. <laughs> I thought, but I've no idea if they're evil or not. Well, uh, well, I think they are. And I, I, think I could just I imagine her slipping out of a suit and revealing a Slytherin. Ah, oh. she she's just got that impression of like. All the characters in the new series did just causing antagonism all the time and sort of infiltrating the government and directing the way things are going. She just gave that impression that she was just too focused on uh, causing mayhem. And destruction. And of course the abbot. Yes, the abbot. The abbot. The doctor. The doctor. Doctor abbot. He had, I think he had a secretary or a temporary secretary. Who was who was actually called Roger Colbert, temporal secretary, <laughs> which sounds like the best seventies TV show that was never made. Who's, who's a guy, right? He travels in time. Not being he, a, his boss travels in time and has the adventures, and he yes. just he just sits at a desk recording it all. Yes, and, and you never get to see the adventures. I want to make this show. This sounds like the best cheap show ever. <laughs> you don't have to have the. You don't have to follow the main guy. You follow the guy recording the adventures and 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 rolling his eyes, tutting sarcastically and making gossipy yeah. comments about his boss. Having to book meetings for his boss that travels in time. Yeah. God, my boss went to the 14th century last week. He's such a bitch. <laughs> Roger Colbert, temporal secretary. <laughs> Next week, uh, Roger Colbert doesn't travel to the 12th century. Uh, I would watch that thing. I, would, I, I, mm. I want to write it. And there'd be a temp, a temp. There'd be like a temporal secretary mm. convention as well. Watch out with for all no- of the different secretaries. <laughs> watch out for not coming sketch on sarcastic voyage. <laughs> Apparently that no one will get and no one will know why I wrote. And it won't even be being be broadcast. Uh, yeah, there's a mention of the TARDIS wardrobe. Was that, I, I missed that one myself. It, it escaped me during the four watches of this episode. Well, he doesn't mention, he doesn't say TARDIS wardrobe. They go back in to get clothes and says, you've ah, got yes. He says, ah, yes. you'd be surprised what's in my wardrobe. Mm. Which I'm trying to convince myself isn't a euphemism, but probably is. Mm. There's like a cricket outfit, at least, I know. Is there? Or is he yet to get that? Oh. I reckon it's already in there. I think he might have got that during the Dalek Master Plan. Probably. Yeah. He probably abducted a cricketer. 
Uh, yes, and and most of the episodes seem to begin. It seems to be like a day for each episode, because at least two, three, and four mm. begin in the morning. Yeah, with uh, Anne and Stephen waking up together in a couple of them. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> uh, this was actually written by the same guy who wrote the Aztecs. Who was that? John Lucarotti. And this was the last one he wrote. He wrote. He wrote. Uh, I think he he tried to write a few more. He he, he wrote a different one, a different historical, and then they changed producers. And the new producer said, "I write uh, that bit fine, write that." So he wrote it, and then they rejected it. And he was like, "You told me to write it, and now you rejected it." So they said, "Okay, write this one." And he wrote this one, and they broadcast it. They should have rejected that one as well, <laughs> just just to see how long they could go. <laughs> Oh, we've been sacked. power. <laughs> write another one. Write another one. Yeah, I think they're probably trying to get rid of him by saying, write, a, write one about the massacre of some brothers <laughs> Eve. Oh, he's written it. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, it's not bad. Write one about the Nazis. Called uh, Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> called Hitler Saves the Day. Go and do that one. I dare you. you did you get Springtime for Hitler? No, I did not, obviously. Do I ever get anything? It's the producers, the, the Jim, the, the Mel Brooks movie with Gene Wilder and the other guy. There are two producers. They make a they 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 figure because he's Gene Wilder's the uh, IRS guy, and he figures out that you could make a load of money by bombing by not making any money at the box office. You could make a lot of money by taking investings and things. So they decide to make a they decide to make a play, and they buy one called Springtime for Hitler. And they make it as bad taste as possible, and then it's and then they they premiere it, and everyone's shocked by it, and then halfway through, so they see it at halftime, and and uh, everyone's just not laughing at all, and not you know they just think they're going to make it, and then halfway through halftime, people are coming out laughing and thinking it's the most hilarious thing they've ever seen. Okay, and the and it's a musical, and the main number is called Springtime for Hitler. I remember seeing the trailer for it. I never actually saw the movie. So, yeah, you mentioned about uh, Stephen uh, paying for something with a gold coin. Yes. And the Paris guy was was annoyed at this because he didn't have change for it or some shit like that. Yeah. But another guy came in and helped him and said, this is Paris hospitality that you won't mm-hmm. give a change to some guy. I wasn't aware the words Paris and hospitality went together. I don't know. I can't remember hospitality in Paris. It's a very good I musical. have never been to Paris. I've been to Paris. Airport. <laughs> Was the hospitality any good in the airport? I don't really remember. I didn't talk to anyone. Mm. I could barely stay awake. Mm. This was after I came back from America and been awake mm. for nearly 24 hours. Mm. And it was just awful. But my question is, why couldn't it's Stephen... It's very nice looking, though. Yeah. Yeah. But my question is, why couldn't Stephen just give him the gold coin anyway? No change needed. Yeah, it's not like he... Well, he didn't know how long he's going to be there, you see. I'm sure he's got, like, eight gold coins at least in his pocket. Is this from counting them, or is this just from you decided? I've decided. <laughs> he's got plenty. He's got more than one gold coin. No, the doctor's given him this coin. Uh, only given him one coin, and that's the last of That's his pocket no, money. No. That's his pocket money for the week. The doctor's given him an, an handful of coins. Yeah, but the others are just like lint and fluff and stuff. <laughs> lint coins? Even one gold coin, some lint fluff, 
and some drawing pins or tacks for you Americans. Uh, I also it just could have given him it. It's a nice tip. Well, why would you give a tip to 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 somebody who's not very nice? He's not going to be there that long. But why would you reinforce this behaviour? Surely, reinforcing that behaviour could have ripple-on effect down down humanity. Yeah, it it could start the tipping system. And is everything in France called Saint Germain? It certainly uh, seemed that way from this episode story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this episode story. Let's Call everything episode stories from now. Epitory. Epitory or stowed. Epitory. No. <laughs> yes. The first one's always the better one. <laughs> I've always found. Beer. Beer. Beer time. It's a bit cheeky. Cheeky, is that how you describe it? I do. It is very, very surprising being a French beer. Because it's got like fruit and stuff. Because you know how hard it is to find a French beer to start with. Yeah, I thought we yeah. drank all the French beers, yeah. but apparently not. By just having one of them. So this is Belarus, as I believe you said. Yeah. As I said, given the calibre of the other French beer that we've had, uh, I wasn't expecting much, but this is really a very nice beer. Uh, cheeky, as you said. I don't know what cheeky means. <laughs> Sorry to say. Well... <laughs> I was just expecting a bland lager, not this sort of fruity number. Fruity, mm-hmm. fruity, fruity. Yeah, it, it's got a slight fruity hint to it. I, I don't know what of. Fruit? But it, it doesn't taste like it's a fruit beer, though. It's it contains... It, it, you know what it contains? What does it contain? Spices. More spices. Spices. That's all it says. Spices, um, but it does, does, does have a fruity taste yeah. to it. Yeah, well, whatever it's got in, I do like it. This is a very nice beer. So there you are, you've had a French beer that's good. You can you can uh, take that off your bucket list now. It is a lager, by the way. I thought it was a lager. So moving back to the uh, episode then. Go on then, do your science stuff. Yes, uh, going on to Preslon. Who doesn't exist? Yes, the scientist that doesn't exist... <laughs> Because the do- doctor wrote him out of history. Yes. <laughs> yes, the man who invented or discovered germs. Yes, that doesn't exist. So apparently it was a, a guy called uh, Lonehawk, or however you pronounce it, from Holland, uh, almost a hundred years later, in 1677, who was trying to improve the lenses in uh, microscopes and things. Okay. Uh, before... before so how many years is this after... Galileo. I have no idea. Long two hundred years after Galileo. I think two hundred years after Galileo. I'm just guessing. I think it's about two hundred years. So Galileo looked at the stars, and now you've got lenses looking into the very causal nexus of matter itself. If you like. Okay. Where did you drag that word up from? (laughs) Causal nexus was mentioned in Logopolis. I don't know what it means. But yes, before him, uh, nobody before him had suspected anything about the microscopic organisms. So they just thought life was just what you could see yeah. with the naked eye. Yeah, see, this guy, 100 years later, he was the first to see germs. Nobody suspected it before him. What he got, he, he got some pond water and he looked at it through his adjusted microscope with his new lenses. And he saw like microscopic things eating other things, and he uh, improved his lenses so much, and eventually got 
now to see things so small uh, that the smallest things it could see were just dots, which turns out to be bacteria. So basically, this Preslan guy never existed? No. And the doctor said to Preslan that there's a guy in Germany with microscopes mm. looking at germs, and that was wrong as well? I think he actually said there was a guy in Germany developing lenses and stuff that would allow Preslan to discover germs. No, I think he said he was looking at... He was he was discovering he was proving things right that Preslan had uh, said. I thought I thought it was more that there was work happening in Germany that allowed Preslan to discover germs. You know, I think you're right. I I will defer to what you say. So the old doppelganger malarkey is the of it, which happens yeah. many times mm. in Doctor Who. Well, a handful of times. <laughs> This is the first time. This is this is this is the first time of the of the double counter, isn't it? But on the uh, subsequent times, is the doctor actually posing as someone else? Whereas this time, it's just somebody that looks like. Him. What? The, the subsequent time? Well, they all they all ex- look exactly like him. Well, uh, yeah, in the Enemy of the World, the, the doctor looks exactly like the the dictator of the world. Okay. But I think this might be the only time where they never meet. So it does happen more. Yeah. Rather than the doctor assuming another idea. Uh, um, yeah. And and is he a Dalek? Uh his speech pattern would indicate so. He would, it would. And it goes thusly. Fetch her tomorrow. Bring her to me. Just to just to show you that he is in mm. fact the Abbot was in fact mm. a Dalek as well as the Doctor. It was mm. he was the love child mm. of Dalek Steve and the Doctor. Mm. <laughs> which, which which is better than my impersonation of a Dalek? But it's a good thing he wasn't the doctor. This uh, the abbot, with with uh, with Stephen's subtlety or lack thereof. That's the doctor yeah. down there. That's the do- shut up. <laughs> Stop telling everyone. Yes, yeah, Stephen's just rubbish. Uh, and 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 William Hartnell oh. was credited mm. as the abbot, and for you know only as the abbot for the two and three because the doctor mm. never appeared in them. Yes, because he only appeared in the first five minutes of the second first episode and the last five minutes of the last episode. It was more than five minutes. Seven minutes. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you think that, but I like the vagueness of whether it was the Doctor mm. or not. Yeah, I, I, did, I did like that. Because they played it that way with, I mean, they sort of hinted at, but you didn't know for sure whether the yeah, Abbot was the Doctor mm. in disguise or not. Yeah, I... Cause, cause I sort of like the vagueness from Stephen's point of view, but from the episode point of view, I was in no doubt that it was just somebody that looked like the Doctor. No, I was. I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'd seen before and I knew, but I wasn't sure. I mean, when the Doctor first appears, he's talking to what Simon and I, I'm, I'm presuming at that point Simon knows what the Abbot looks like, and they're fairly familiar. Yeah, but, uh, but they both look exactly the same, so it could have still been the Doctor. I suppose technically it could be, yeah. Hmm. But I just was not I mean, under that stories, impression. In these normal yeah. stories where people look exactly the same, at one point mm. they're going to swap places with unhilarity women's I I just never got the impression that it could have been the Doctor. I know it was sort of leaving it vague and up in, I just never got the impression that it actually would turn out that way. Hmm. But do you know who's the most inconsistent young man? Stephen. It is Stephen. The doctor said, you know you're the most inconsistent young man. And, and he is. 
I think the doctor seems more inconsistent than he is. Are you going to insult the doctor and not Stephen? Yes. Maybe it's because towards the end this I was more on Stephen's side than the doctor's. Were you? For once, yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, basically, from uh, Stephen's speech of uh, the doctor's scant regard for human life. Here, here we go. Because the doctor yeah. Yeah. didn't save Anne. Yes. The doctor has a scant regard for human life. Never mind, never mind the thousands of other people that were killed. Just because Stephen and his befriended this wench that he that he was quote unquote kind to once. I'm not sure whether that was in the middle of the night or in the morning. But uh mm-hmm. he, he he was kind to her. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone else who died, it was just her. Yes, but the Stephen had built up a relationship with Yeah. And that's the only reason he wanted her saved. Well yeah. For selfish reasons. He didn't care about he, anyone else. He didn't he didn't say to made the doctor, a promise he didn't to say her. to the doctor you know, change history so this massacre never happens. He's just made a promise to this single person. Oh, because he made a promise. Yeah. I mean, at least with Ian and Barbara, Barbara was like trying to save the the Aztecs and things. Not because she'd she'd, uh, befriended them or anything, because she knew it was the right thing to do. Stephen just does things because he he liked her, not because it was the right thing to do. Yeah, but the doctor did. And the other people died. The doctor didn't respect that bit at all. And he just sent this single lone woman who he was there with. He sent her to her death, basically. She would have died if he was there or not. Do we know? We don't. But she was there with the doctor. She could have been saved. Obviously friends with Stephen. She could have. He could have brought her along with no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> what? He could have taken her into the TARDIS with no yeah. consequences whatsoever. Yeah. There are always consequences. Look at Katarina. Well, if you want to bring the uh, Katerina argument that he doesn't want to bring anything and use the no, no prize I'm saying thing, Katerina, there's always consequences. There is not always consequences. Always consequences. For anything you do, there's always consequences. There's not always. Newton said so. I could smash this bottle around your head, there would be no consequences. Oh, there would be consequences. No. <laughs> You'd be on the floor. I would not be Dead. on the floor. As I've said, as, <laughs> as our, my, our, our, my quote gets to... There, there's bigger things than in history, time travel and all that. You can't just go around changing things. I think saving Anne is not changing anything in the bigger history of the massacre or anything like that. And who made you? Who made you king, Time Lord? I think Stephen had a better point than the Doctor there, personally. No, I don't. Anyway, yes, this is the same Stephen who who said to who brought Anne to the Abbot's house and said, don't worry, you won't be arrested. And then when he got there, said, uh, here's the girl you've been looking for. Yes, he, uh, he did immediately shop her, but he thought she was the doctor and he was trying to, he was undercover trying to fit in the situation. So, so and, and at the earliest opportunity, he uh, he rescued her and brought her away. God, situation. this is going to be an Ian thing again, isn't it? You're, you're loving Stephen now. I you? don't love Stephen. I just thought Stephen had the upper hand over Doctor, if you like. He was the more moral of the two characters this episode. I don't think so. I couldn't help but uh, think Stephen had the uh, more moral stance. Yeah. I disagree. Fair enough. Just wait till we get to Jamie. What about Stephen's disguise? His disguise was a hat, <laughs> although you'll probably think this is the best thing ever as well. His disguise was a hat. 
and he looked exactly the same. He just looked Stephen mm-hmm. like a hat. I mean, it looked make, mm-hmm. make, it made Superman with glasses as Clark Kent look good. But yes, his disguise was uh, You're the not much of a disguise. It was a rubbish disguise. Moving on no. to Anne <laughs> yeah. and her Cornish accent for some reason. Which was very good. It, was it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm not Cornish. I couldn't tell you if it was very good or not. No, I neither am I. I don't understand why <laughs> there's a Cornish accent in the middle of Paris, but there you are. I suppose it makes as much sense as uh, as as, an, as Fiona's Irish accent from Burning Notice. Yes, Miami. <laughs> Burning Notice. <laughs> Burning Notice. Burning Is that the sequel? I I do hope so. So Wait. on to Dodo. Yes. Did she have to be related mm-hmm. to Anne? Yeah, apparently to uh, a P. Stephen. Yes, and you apparently. Because uh, be, because <laughs> yeah. The, the doctor left Anne to die, but no, Anne can't die, so we've got to have ancestors from her. So everything's fine and dandy in the end. But why, why couldn't Anne have died and another, another woman of her family or people called Shapley have gone to England and, and that be an ancestor of hers? She, she, she was the last of our line. Do we know that? Uh, yes. <laughs> And also, this Dodo, is what I infer from this. Dodo went into the TARDIS <laughs> to find a yeah. police phone yeah. because a small child had been in an accident. Mm. And then she didn't phone the police and was taken out of time. That small child probably died because of Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> that I can believe. Because Stephen <laughs> came running in saying, you better leave, there's police outside. You better leave those nasty men chasing me. Who's your? Who would be your companion this week? Uh, personally, I would say uh, Anna. Anna. Yeah, I thought you liked her Cornish accent. Yeah. Yes, it was very good. Well, I th- I thought she got on well with uh, Stephen. Uh, oh, she did, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> he was he was quite prepared to uh, sacrifice an entire city for her. Yeah. <laughs> But I thought she was proactive in helping with the situation as well. Proactive? Yeah. God, you really love your work, don't you? And your meetings and your job. God, you're really getting into the language. If you start talking about blue sky thinking, I'm going to get someone else on this podcast. If I start talking about blue sky thinking, you have my permission to punch me in the head. I will. Anytime you mention the words blue sky or thinking. In that order. (laughs) In that exact order, not over the space of three weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, my companion would be my my choice companion would be the Abbot, mm. the Doctor. Then. No, the Abbot, <laughs> the dead Abbot. It could be like a weekend. The dead bodies. one. Because if the Doctor like gets mm-hmm. bored with some adventure, he could bring out the body of the dead Abbot and then pretend he just died at some point. Oh, he could play possum with it with himself. He'd just throw it in front of the Dalek. I'm dead now. <laughs> think how think how useful it would be to have his own dead body lying around. You'd have to keep it in the freezer. I want to in the freezer, obviously. Mm-hmm. He could that, do ventriloquist act with it as well. Uh, I'd I'd like to see this idea play out. Well, maybe you will. It's landing on the Dalek homeward and then just uh, throwing his dead body out. Well, I think we've both got the same quote for this one. More or less. Well, more, yeah. You got. I've got the first part. You've got the second. Yeah. So we'll just play the extended quote. And uh, my my part's a good part. 
where the doctor talks about the ramifications of history mm. that's showing him to have you know the better viewpoint yeah, as opposed which, to Stephen and then uses the, which is, I think the doctor takes out of context no, and everything no, but. and then uses the inconsequential part that talks about again so here we go now my dear Stephen history sometimes gives us a terrible shock and that is because we don't quite fully understand why should we after all, we're all too small to realize its final pattern. Therefore, don't try and judge it from where you stand. I was right to do as I did. Yes, that I firmly believe. Even after all this time, he cannot understand. I dare not change the course of history. Well, at least I taught him to take some precautions. He did remember to look at the scanner before he opened the doors. Now, they're all gone. All gone. None of them could understand. Not even my little Susan or Vicky. And as for Barbara and Chatterton, Chesterton, they were all too impatient to get back to their own time. I don't think that was inconsequential at all. I thought that was a very touching tribute to his companions. Yep, and uh, Chatterton, whoever he was. Yeah. And Chatterton included. <laughs> I do like that he still can't get his name right. He did correct himself, though. Also, they were uh, in the story whenever the TARDIS were going to leave Wimbledon Common. They were meant, they were apparently going to try and get Ian and Barbara to just arrive as the TARDIS was disappearing, mm. but they, but they uh, didn't manage that. So that been really good. It won. Yes, it won. Yeah. Just because it made yes. hilarious. They just get to the TARDIS to leave you. Oh, no, they found it. Although at the same time, there have been far too many con- you know, uh, coincidences. Just yeah. happening to run into Anne Chapley's ancestor, and then yeah. just Ian and Barbara out, out of to, all in time to, and space happened to be there at the same time. Final thoughts yes. on this episode? Story? Epistory? Yeah, for for a historical one, I enjoyed it. It wasn't too well actually. I actually there liked was, this uh, more than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, but then it was the writer of the Aztecs. I mean, I didn't care much for the whole sort of politics and uh, sort of the, the Huguenots versus Catholics and the sort of like discussions and wars between them. But there was plenty You're of... You're going to love drunken history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, really, it just really does not bother me at all. It does not interest me. But there was plenty enough other stuff going off that was interesting and it sort of brought the story along. And it was enjoyable. The thing thing about historicals are they're normally, normally the characters are caught up in events that they can't change. Mm. And and I did feel that a lot with this one. More so, even, you know, because it didn't matter what happened, they were heading inexorably towards the the massacre. Mm. I mean, specifically without the Doctor there, it was just Stephen hanging around in the events that was happening around him. Yes. 
there, there was nobody easy. trying to change anything or, or anything. But yeah, I, I did like that about it. It's, uh, it's not my favourite of the historicals, but it's uh, it, it was a very enjoyable. Yes, we all know what that one is. Uh, so, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, then uh, all the usual, you can email us at drunkentimetravel at gmail dot com. Uh, our website is drunkentimetravel dot blogstop dot com, which you can also find reviews of other stories. And uh, our Twitter is at drunktimetravel. Feel free to read our comments on iTunes. Yes, which uh, we now have all episodes up. Next time, I'm doing the arc. Obviously, Dodo's first story. So, yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. As we cheekily finish off the rest of our beer. Yes. Soupy twist. Soupy twist. In the next episode, you'll hear English Gav say... Really? We're at the fourth Doctor already? And you'll hear Irish Gav say... No, Gav, it's not the story, Ark in Space. It's the story of the Ark that's in space. <laughs>